This episode of The Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by the Craftsbury Outdoor Center in Craftsbury, Vermont. With the vagaries of weather in the Northeast, big nor'easters or not, Craftsbury will have you covered this season with snow. On those thin snow days, they offer skiing on a man-made loop where two Ks are currently available. Know before you go, if you're not staying at Craftsbury, you will need to make a day-use reservation and rent a bib to access the man-made loop. When snow flies and coverage is good, you can ski through farms, fields, and forests on their 105 kilometers of meticulously groomed trails. Reservations are required for day use of the trail system too. You can find up-to-date information on the Craftsbury Outdoor Center's ski scene at craftsbury.com backslash winter ops. This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to The Devin Kershaw Show from Faster Skier. It is the pre-holiday show, and in fact, the birthday episode two. The show was recorded yesterday on Sunday, December 20th, which marked Devin's 38th birthday. So maybe we took some liberties and sidetracked a bit. It was Devin's birthday after all. We do chat skiing in Northern Norway, and in lieu of the metal grab bag we have run for the last two weeks, we discuss the tolerance for spicy food in Norway. And of course, we do get to the fine sprinting that went down in Dresden, Germany this weekend on the World Cup. Okay, here is your episode. Jason. Devin, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Doing well. Little um, kind of a blip in the temperature. It's like 50-something degrees. A little grim. Dude, it's so grim here. The grimness really just... still. Oh, but no, but actually we had a good week since our last talk. It probably nuked like... 30 40 cms okay that's good it was just beautiful conditions but like maybe like minus one minus two but gorgeous and then like multi-grade classic skiing so good and then yesterday temperature started rising and then last night started raining and then now i don't know man like you know when it has like when you have like 40 cms of pow but it hasn't really settled out yet it was just it's like a really winter mm-hmm. wonderland like snowing all the trees looking perfect but then you get that you know, today was probably like plus four, raining overnight. Like, it just looks like, you know what it looks like? Sorry for, there's probably no German listeners, which is good. But like, it looks like Germany in the winter, which is just gray and slushy and sloppy and just ash. And that's what it looked like today. But not today in Germany. Dresden looked good in Germany today, although it never snows there. I was just going to say, I'm not really ready to segue yet, but Germany, I was like literally going to ask Matt Wickham if they spray painted the grass. No, Dresden, other than being like an epicenter for a pandemic, is uh, in the country of Germany. It, it looked good. I mean, it's not often you see the sun in Germany and in the winter. And um, today looked good. And yesterday. Look, it was, a, it was a great weekend on TV anyway. And the, and the course looked great too. The, 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 the course organizers did a good job. I mean, like Dresden has been not just Dresden it's not and not just Dusseldorf it's not just the German events it's just like any city sprint can get like pretty icy and kind of nasty around corners and and just like chopped up and gross and and you know what it looked looked pretty good over the weekend here so that's that's good to see sun and a and a course that's like held up okay I'm, I'm impressed German did a good job and I can scrap this out I just really feel like I need to update you on my backcountry skiing right 
just no we're not going to scrap this out because i've got a really sad story for this and before you oh, update God, me on the dude. backcountry skiing yeah okay you have talked to me about a norwegian skier that lives up in paradise which is northern norway not southern norway yeah. which is lame which is lame where i live um but like nikolai Shermer. yeah is he coming on the show <laughs> No, I, well, we could try and get him. Dude, you you said, like, do you know him? I'm like, yeah, because, you know, like, I see his name here and there Uh-oh. in some photos. Is it? Is it- I, 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 looked, I looked at his YouTube channel that you said, like, Lofoten is, like, you ski in Lofoten? It's like, yeah, man, I backcountry ski in Lofoten every chance I get because that's where my, my wife's family's from. Did I have it proper? Was that the right spot? Um, oh yeah, and then and uh, well, he's he's up in Lingen, like or or Tromso yeah. area, but that's not so right. far. But he's been to Lofoten, like some Does of his this, videos. Hold on, does this story end sadly? No, no, the story ends. Oh, oh good. no, no, All my right. story ends sadly. Yes, but but this Nikolai Shermer guy is a beast, and if anyone wants to kill time, and I really highly recommend it. He he does amazing stuff. He talks in English. And you really get it, and you really get to see. And he's very smart. Yeah, and you get to see how beautiful Norway is for ski touring. And as I'm sitting here in the rain of lame Lillehammer and seeing this stuff, I'm just like, I wish Jason had never told me this man's name, like that this guy. That, that, that this but guy, you never watched his videos. No, I'd heard of his name. Like I said, I, like I've never watched his videos before, and I sat down. And I watched, I watched one, and of course, like, it's a time suck, so you just, like, start, next thing you know, it's 11.30 p.m., and you've watched three. Holy Lord, it was, like, he, he does a amazing job, and I, if anyone's into backcountry skiing and wants to know what, like, northern Norway looks like, check him out, it's, it's amazing. And then, where this story ends, sadly for me, as I pivot, and then you can tell me how awesome everything is in backcountry skiing in Western. No, 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 so, I'm going to paint a grim picture, too. Go ahead. Okay, sweet. That's good. You know what? Yeah. That's fine. It's because uh, then you know what? We're gonna paint a little bit of grim picture. Then we're gonna bring the energy up because the Americans killed it this weekend. And then we're gonna get really keep the energy up because it's Christmas. Even in a pandemic, we can still have fun. Eat some eat some gingerbread, man. It's gonna be fun. But we, you, you have me hanging here. What? So yeah. Yeah. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. I have, let's say, three friends in Lillehammer, two of which backcountry ski, but aren't like they're into it. They're into backcountry skiing, but like, kind of like, yeah, I'll do it. Like, and, and you know, when they're out, they have a good time. I have been waiting for this day for so long. And it's like, I've been at school. It's a pandemic commuting up two little kids at home. I'm used to skiing like back, back in the old days when I lived in paradise and the Canadian Rockies, you know, like doing probably like 30, 40 days out of backcountry skiing a year, which is like pretty good for a Nordic skier, professional Nordic yeah, skier. That's good for an old dude like me too. And then, you know, like life happens, you move here and now you see, you know, you're in Little Hummer and like, I don't really know anybody. Um, I had lined up to go backcountry skiing with one of those three friends and he bailed late or like later today. And today's my birthday too. So I was actually like, a kind Wait, of like today's your birthday. Today's my birthday. So I was like, this was like a real win. Like when you have two young kids and your wife's like, you've been talking about this. You're like walking around with a frown because you're in school and like stressed about exams and you're being a little, a real little sucky boy, which I, which I can be at times. I'll, I'll admit it. Does she say that to you in Norwegian or English? No, no. She'll say it in English just so I know. And she's like, you know, you, you got to go backcountry skiing. That's your happy place. I'm like, yeah, sweet. Had it lined up. 
the weather forecast wasn't looking that promising, but there's like some spots that aren't so far from here that like looked like it could be okay. Maybe it's been really warm, but like I was willing to like, of course I'm willing to like drive a couple hours just to check and try. He, uh, he bailed. And then, you know, instead of just going alone tomorrow morning, I just, I have this, I've been backcountry skiing for let's say like 21 years. And, and I just have this thing, man. I know a lot of people do it and I don't want to get all judgy or anything, but especially new areas. Um, with this would be a brand new area for me, like a, some amount, like a range that I'd never been to before. Uh, I just don't feel good about going out there by myself with two young kids at home. And like for people that do backcountry ski by themselves and stuff, mm. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'll judge a little bit. I'll judge a little bit, but I'm not going to super judge. But for me, it's just like not going to happen. If, if it was, if I lived in Lofoten or in the Rockies where I lived there and that was like kind of like my home, like just like I knew everything was happening, the snowpack, the whole deal. And it was just, I knew it. Then, I, then I'd go for sure. But if I'm going to get in the car, drive two and a half hours to a place I've never been by myself, I just, you know what? So anyways, I shelved it. And I, yeah, I, I was that sucky boy on my birthday too. So my wife was, my wife was not. Wait, are you talking about tom- it's for tomorrow? For tomorrow, yeah. So my wife was not impressed <sighs> with me being a sucky boy, but I feel good about the decision or not backcountry skiing in mountains I've never been yes. to by myself especially after it's been kind of warm and it's probably going to be garbage skiing let's be honest but you know I'm jonesing for some real skiing nothing against Nordic skiing because we have a Nordic skiing podcast here no Nordic skiing is lovely right but like but like dude I've done so much Nordic skiing in my life and Lillehammer I know it's like Nordic skiing mecca blah 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 like I'm like kind of over it I'm not over it but I'm kind of over it you know what I mean okay we well, hear something here's something how about okay i know this is sort of that's what i'm gonna do and it's like yeah i'll listen to like a podcast and it'll be like it'll be fine but i was really hoping to have the fat boards out and and ripping linking some turns but just don't have any friends and it's a monday and people people that people are working man so it's just not gonna happen but a a friend of mine um who's a household name in skiing eric Eidek Branstall. Never heard of he him. He loves backcountry. Yeah, never, no one's ever heard of him. But like, we gotta get we gotta get him on the pod here. But like, he's he's a good good buddy of mine, and we've done some backcountry skiing, some trips together actually, some backcountry ski trips together. And he has his last exam tomorrow. Oh, dude, you need to get out. So I'm crossing my fingers that next weekend, next weekend on Saturday or Sunday, like I'm really hoping the weather gods cooperate, and that's saying something in Norway because. Yeah, December's not. Anyway, I'll leave it there. But but hopefully I'll get out next week. I hope to God. But like, I'm still mourning the loss of the fact that I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get out there by myself. And and uh, this is kind of heavy. How old are you today? I'm 38. Can you believe that? Yeah. I can. You're still in your prime, dude. The, pff, I, you no, know, you thank are. you for saying no. But thank you for saying that to me because like when I'm in, you know, I'm studying physio right now, as people know, and like. Man, <laughs> prime, prime, surrounded by my uh, cohorts or like fellow students, physio students. Prime might not be the word I would use to describe <laughs> myself with my uh, with my peers. Back. No, but you. I'm just telling you, like aging. If you stay fit, aging's good. Oh yeah, I, I like it. Oh yeah, I'm into it too. Just I'm into it too. Like, so there's far. this big movement where like no one wants to get old. You know what I mean? And like, everyone's going like, I want to live forever. Who is that? Was that Peter Pan? We're going to get old. It's cool. We all want to try and live. At least I think it's like if I could live to like 85 and like and then yeah. or, or so, yeah. let's say like between like 82 and 90 or something like 
I'm satisfied. I, that's I don't need more. That's than that. good. I, I, that's that's enough. No, I had a grandmother who lived to a hundred. My grandfather just passed this past spring at 102. No, thank you. Too long. But anyway, anyway we, we, we digress. So tell me, tell me, tell me a sad backcountry story, and then let's get to the race. Well, a little bit of sad. It's it's actually not sad. It's like the yin yang. You know, it's like balance. So a couple things. First off, I want to circle back to Shermer. Maybe we'll link to it in the show notes. Do it, people. Like, because I do not care for quote ski porn i just can't stand it it's like great you're skiing a burly lime with like music playing and you took a helicopter to the top oh yeah it's too care. much yeah yeah totally i agree i agree yeah 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 i agree this guy is like totally. for the most part he is still young he's maybe like 29 or something 30 um but he's for the most part you know climbing some cool lines skiing down them he goes through that process which is really neat his edits are quite savvy and and sharp i feel like i think so too yeah me too i was i was blown away yeah. honestly and i've been i've been on some of the mountains like i said i haven't seen a whole lot of them but like i've seen a couple of them now and like i've been on some of the peaks that he's filming and it's like yeah it just takes me back there it's like wow this is this is cool i mean i'm not i'm not airing like 720s and stuff off shit like he is but like he can really buck too so it's pretty cool it's good stuff. Okay, so that people should check that out. Love that stuff, and I'm glad that you appreciate it. And it is, I'm a, so they're so good to me that I actually have watched pretty much the whole series twice. Amazing, amazing, kind of sad. Really? Okay, so there's that. So back under skiing. So I've sort of tried to dedicate myself to. I can get consumed. I'm a little bit of a type A person. I'm like, okay, I gotta do this story, work on that, and. Um, and in the wintertime, sometimes I just tend to not take time away. So I'm trying to trying to take Fridays away so that over the weekend when I'm in front of the computer at an early you know, time, yeah, I, I feel good. So we went back to this spot that is a spot that we are not seeing people at. I think I've told you a little bit about that situation. Yeah, yeah. You sent me pictures. You sent me pictures I cried into my MacBook Air, yeah. Well, we went again on Friday, and it was one of those like, oh, it's going to be kind of bad. So let's just like plan on doing this big tour up to this ridge and see what terrain is up there. But on the way there, let's let's do the ski shot and see how it is. It was prime, of course, so good. This isn't a sad story at all. But continue. No, okay, it was really good. Like just huge fat grins, and so anyway, that was Friday. So yesterday, I got up at like, and I know we talked about getting up early, but I got up at like 3.40, which I was like, oh, that's not too bad. Worked. We have this new reporter, Ella Ella Hall from the Metau, who lives in Chamonix right now. Super great. It was really efficient. I was like, great. I have time. I'm going to go back out there. So I went back out there. The temperature was like 50 degrees, and literally, I could have used a pair of ice skates to get in there. Yeah, dude. So that's a little, that's a I mean, that's like first world. Yeah, but that's yeah. a bummer. But you know what? So, but like, and, that, and that's probably why, like, I don't feel so, so bad about not going back on skiing tomorrow for myself, too. Because yeah. it's like, probably wouldn't be good. But unlike you, where you get to ski, like, nice, beautiful powder in a beautiful spot. I'm, I'm like, mm, it's, we're it's Pacific Northwest. It's not, uh, but anyway, that is, that's a bit of a sad story. I'll tell you what's not a sad story. Talk it. Yep. We're there. Segway us. American women. Yes, American women and American men. Yeah. 
in, in the individual sprint, we're going to start with the individual sprint. Now, you know, we're going to change it up a little bit because, I mean, it was some beautiful skiing and some great performances on the women's side. But we're going to give the men some love first. Like, I, like I, I, there was some really great performances by American men. And I want to highlight some of them now. I mean, a big one for me is Logan Hanneman back in the semis. And yeah, he squeaked her in there. I mean, he knows, and we all know in a normal World Cup, like when you qualify 26, like you're not going to. Yeah, but through. this is the new normal. But you know what? This is the deal. The pe- For the people that showed up, 26th is enough. And he skied great, skied himself into the semis. And the, this, is, this, is, this is taking advantage of the opportunities that are given to you. And I thought that was just a great performance. Shoemaker... Or is it shoot? Yeah, shoemaker. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. We. I've. I've botched this name already. But like, I do too because I was talking to Kevin Bolger and he's like shoemaker, and I was like, ah, oh, I've been mispronouncing. So yes. Yeah. So shoemaker. I loved it. I loved the way he skied. He skied with like some confidence, and yeah, it didn't work out to get to the semis. But 14th in a World Cup. The guy's young. He's exciting, and if you ski rounds like he skied his quarter. That's how you get better. And I, I really, I thought it was really cool. People to see, are, honestly. people are bullish so, on this guy. Shout out to that. Yeah. But shout out, shout out to the way he skied because in contrast, like we were talking in Davos, you know, like phew, Americans, Canadians, like some of these guys that don't have that much European experience, like don't have that much experience, like really understanding how tight space is. Like the real estate is expensive in the men's world cup, uh, in sprints. And, you know, we see a lot of younger guys, like just kind of get pushed around and, and, um, Shoemaker did not do that here in Dresden on a tight course. Awesome, awesome stuff. 14th, great, amazing skiing. And then of course, Simi qualifies sixth, finishes fifth. People forget like sprinting is a young man's game, man. And Simi's 33. And he's making a final in a very fast and furious sprint. That was a real up tour and mm-hmm. I like upturn for him. And I thought it was great. I thought it was awesome, awesome stuff to watch. He looked good. He looked smooth. He looked strong. He looked like, I don't want to say Simi of old, but like he looked really solid. And that was awesome. And I'm saying, and, and then I saved the best for last. Bolger, first World Cup final. And the way he skied his quarters and his semis was just so fun to watch. And yeah, you know, in the final, he came sixth, but he's sixth in a World Cup. First final, the guys had two great weekends of racing, honestly, for his experience. And and you know what? That's what I love about the American men here this weekend is, yes, it is a gift. We've talked about this. Davos and Dresden is a gift because top countries are missing. But you don't let you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Like take advantage and and take those experiences and and throw down. And I I thought the guys did that really well in the U.S. So that was awesome. And I mean, the race of the day for me to finish off round out for the men. I want to hear your thoughts on this. But like Andrew Young, dude, breaking his pole. Simi, thanks to Simi. I mean, it was a good move by Simi to try and get him out of there. I know it was an accident. That's just how it goes in sprinting. But but uh, Andrew Young breaks his pole, gets a new pole, and I'm like, well, you know what? That's too bad because he had a podium last week and he made the final this week. So that's that's pretty good. But like, 
I kind of counted him out for the podium. I thought maybe he could come back into fourth or something. But dude, he was beast mode out there. And the way he came around Gleb and was charging, like, I'm like, oh my God, had he not had a broken pole? You think he would have taken, I mean, yeah, I mean. Oh man, I think it was, I think it would have been, I don't think Pellegrino was going to be able to dissect Youngie to, on, on yesterday. I mean, he was looking so freaking good in that final and with the broken pole, comes back to second, back-to-back podiums. A little bit in the same kind of boat, right? A little bit in the same kind of boat as what we're saying with the Americans. Like, it's not Young's problem or fault that the fields are weak. You know, there's a lot of good skiers there that uh, Shanava is there. He can't even make the final. So, and uh, Young, back-to-back podiums, huge shout-out for the British, for the whole British program. And and Andrew Young himself, of course, like we like we talked about last week it had been five years since he'd been on the world cup podium before davos last week and now he has back-to-back podiums and and the way he skied in dresden yeah man without a broken pole i really think he ah, i mean that's the beauty of being an armchair critic right like it would have been an awesome it was just an amazing that was the race of the day honestly it was awesome i i feel like for me and i i've tried to check myself a little bit to think okay am i enjoying this racing because I'm able to see some folks from the U.S. right in the action. I'm not a, kind of a jingoistic type nationalistic person by any means. I, I really just like to watch, you know, good, beautiful skiing. Um, but that said, I, I felt like for me, the sprinting, uh, in particular on the guys' side, has been very compelling the past two weekends. And I would say the same again, you know, this weekend that we're talking you know, I mean, if you didn't really know what you were looking at in terms of, and again, I don't know, astri- yeah, no asterisks. You'd be like, okay, this is a real deal. World oh, yeah. Cup. For sure. For sure. I agree with you. I, I, I agree. This is good skiing. This is, yeah, these are, these are, these are the best skiers in the world. Like they're skiing well, like Pellegrino, Shanava, Simi, when he's skiing, like he was skiing yesterday, like the, this is good skiing. Um, Andrew Young, of course, got, and like, I mean, so, but the fact of the matter is like, <laughs> the reason why Norway puts like four guys in the final, most sprints finals is because they're the best sprint team in the world. And they have been for like almost 20 years and they are sorely missed in, in, if you want to, if you want to stack yourself up against like the actual best in the world. But again, it's not the athlete's problem. Like who shows up, who yeah, doesn't show all, up at all, not at right. all. And, and the fact of the matter is take advantage of the opportunities you have. And I, the American men, man, I'm telling you, it was an awesome weekend and everyone should be really proud of the, the, what they did. Sa- same with Great Britain. I, I know I'm just, I know I just talked about this like three minutes ago, but like the reason why I'm repeating it is like, I don't think people understand like the machine that is the Norwegian national team or even the Swedish national team, even though the men are just like a sad state of affairs, the, the, the technicians, the, the, the history, the wax trucks, their systems, like these are beastly teams. And, and, you know, like great Britain's out there, like still like waxing in, in containers, man. You know what I mean? Like it's a big deal. It's if they get help from Norway, they do, they do get help from Norway, right? but they also, it's a scrappy squad. It is. And it's an awesome, it was an awesome couple weeks for their program to go back to back podiums. And it's awesome for Simi to be back in the final. 
And Kevin Bolger, I don't care who shows up or who doesn't show up. The guy has had two great weeks of racing. And to be in the final in the World Cup, like, we should celebrate this. This is good. And this is the kind of momentum that the American men need. We talked about this. You know, they're not getting this momentum in the distance races right now. So it's cool to see them in the sprints put four guys in the top 15. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, it was interesting until you had mentioned it. You know, I get caught up in just like writing the story, but I was just, I've been trying to keep these little spreadsheets and I, I pop them into the story at the end. It's just like qualification time. Who had the fastest qualification time and then time back for like any North Americans? Canada's not there right now, so we just have Americans. But then you're right. I just started looking through. I was like, yeah, he, he's right. There's like fifth, sixth, 12th, and 14th. That's that's a great weekend. It's a super, not, not just a great weekend, like those that are, are like fans of North American skiing, and I hope people are that listen to an English speaking podcast on an American website, but like this is good stuff here and, and this should inspire. And I'm telling you, man, like we talked about it before because I've been to World Juniors and 23s the last couple of years. What's coming up behind these guys in the US? It's no joke. These dudes are for real. And and I, it's, it's so the future is really bright with the US. And I thought it was just cool. I thought it was awesome in Dresden, Flat City Sprint, and especially the way um, Logan, Shoemaker, and Bolger skied. Simi's a, Simi's a veteran. And on a flat sprint in a bit of a weaker field, I, I expect Simi to be in the final. And the way he was skiing, he deserved to be in the final. Like he, ski, he was skiing beautifully. But uh, those three other guys, like this was this is huge stuff, and this is great experience for them moving forward. And it, the future's bright. Like if they ski like that week in week out, I don't care who shows up. Like they'll be in the mix. So that was cool. So that was the man. That's that's my that's 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 my take on the man. I don't know if you got anything else to add on that. I, I really don't. I just I have to say it's um, you know like I said like I don't I'm not necessarily rooting for real. I don't like sit here and like root for people, um, but I do like to see like I feel like you know Simi Kevin those are good people, and it's nice to know. Well, it's nice to see that their hard work is is validated for them. So I, I like that. Yeah, and then also too for like the younger skiers too that aren't World Cup skiers or maybe people that are like aspiring to make the world cup or that's their dream. Like go look, watch how Kevin is skiing. Watch how Simi is skiing. If you ski like that, good things will happen. I promise you. Like if you can ski technically like that, low shoulders, relaxed face, finding your flow through the pack, positioning yourself well, stable on your skis, even though it's like a kind of a like rough and tumble kind of race when it's, such a short loop corners a bit icy like that that snow is just nasty like people don't really understand that like save snow in a in an urban setting i mean it's never good skiing it's it's not like here in norway or it's sure as hell not like soldier hollow in utah or something like but it looked like it held up well like it's yeah yeah yeah, for sure but white balance and everything too that's what i always think is funny like it always looks great and then it's probably so many stones and that and but but regardless of the mat regardless the way they speed technically and in the pack especially in the individual day because we'll get back to the team sprint but um but it was it was just it was just good skiing so it is inspiring stuff by the americans and some other and some other guys too so it was it was it was cool to see okay relax face okay relax relax face relax like caldwell super chill yeah oh yeah oh yeah seemingly and and who else yeah amazing oh yeah no but i mean we're gonna switch to the girls there's first we're gonna just come right out swinging and if Pelton 
sponsors faster skier i'm sorry like but here's the deal Peltman didn't just win a world cup their last world cup win i'm don't quote me on this but i think their last world cup win was 2013 really with M- mona lisa malvaletto yeah great a great classic sprinter i'm pretty sure but but don't quote me on that I, I, they I, had a they had a, at least a podium I think last year because I remember we spoke about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fenric, Fenric, Fenric's been on the podium, which which to me blows my mind. Like nothing against Peltman except everything Why? against Peltman. You don't see Peltman because you do not see Peltman in. No, I understand that, but Peltman. so that's what's interesting to me is that okay, so so she won back to back, dude. Amazing. It's like Finland is probably like the most energy that like since i don't know like they're, they're just like i don't know maybe they smiled they might have even smiled finish the finnish peltman factory workers might have smiled in the dead of winter when it's dark and gray it's probably raining in, in finland too i bet you i bet you the factory workers smiled in peltman which is a big thing <laughs> this is a big deal <laughs> so it was amazing jokes aside fenrik skied like an absolute champ took control early every heat bang 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 wins wow and the fact that she's doing it on peltman skis i know it's a bit of an inside joke but the fact of the matter is how many other world cup skiers ski on peltman exactly it's a big deal that peltman comes away with two back-to-back wins as far as i'm concerned okay a couple things because people love the geeking out people i get emails and maybe you're on these threads like oh have please have Devin geek out on skis well, that's dangerous, though, because like, we're always biased, so you ought to take that with a grain of salt. Well, do you think they're rebranded? Do you think they're actually Peltonins? Dude, I don't know. I've seen Fenric skis be so raunchy before. Like, so raunchy. They were like, sorry, I know I'm just, like, slandering Pelton, but I have nothing. I have no skin in the game, so it doesn't matter. But <laughs> Did she, like, but she won a World Cup on but I think I think they're for real. I, the, reason why, the reason why is, like, I don't know if you noticed the bases. And it's like clear bases, like she like she won in clear bases, but it's yeah. Like when you look at clear bases from each brand, they have a distinct. They're distinct. So like Rosinol's clear sure. clear bases, they're white bases. They're white, like Atomic as well is white base. And then and then the clear bases from Solomon, they have actually a couple different compounds, a couple different materials, a couple different bases. But you can really tell um, Solomon's quote unquote clear bases. Um, Fisher's clear bases, they're yellow and it says Fisher. And, and the rod, I mean, I was watching for the bases because I was thinking the same thing as you. I'm like, okay, did Fenric just finally just buy 40, like 40 pairs of Fisher's and just get like new top sheets on them? Or like, or Rosinol maybe? Maybe maybe Rosinol is maybe even better because especially with the color and like the mm. graphics and stuff. But no, man, I think those were, I think those were legit. I think those were legit pelties and like amazing, amazing. Okay, and that's what I mean. Like, don't you think? I mean, we always hear that World Cup skis are markedly better than what we can buy. Like, normal people like me might be able to buy. Yeah, because it's true. Okay? And for any rep out there that's going to like lose their shit and say it's otherwise, like, <laughs> like we'll have a whole other podcast on that. Yeah, we, I'd love to because I'm like you're on like because it's not it's not the fact that you can't get great skis without being on the World Cup. You can, but it's the percent. It's like Fenric has the entire factory of Peltman, like picking skis only for her. Like, yeah, so I mean, like, Alex, I'm sure. Alex, maybe when she... he switched to Solomon, went right up to the top of that list, and he has the entire company, like searching out the best skis for Alex Harvey. So when you go into like any store or something and you buy skis, 
the fact of the matter is like the people that are working in in those stores like they can go through their whatever skis they have and try and give you the best skis for your for yourself but like you don't have an entire company behind like wanting like picking skis for you for alex harvey or for nadine fenrick you know what i mean and that's where the difference lies so like when people say like can you buy world cup skis like yeah of course the world cup skis are just like any other skis unless it's with fisher because then it's then it's different because there's just different rooms that people don't have access to and that's just how it is with fisher and people just got to deal with it but all the other companies yeah you can quote unquote buy world cup skis but the problem is you can't buy 20 staff that work for that company going through like i don't know 200 pairs of skis for you like Devin Kershaw in Norway, retired skier that wants a nice pair of hard wax skis. Like it's just not going to happen. <laughs> you so, know what I mean? Well, let's just, yeah. So if there's a Finnish listener out there or someone working for Peltonen or somehow that, yeah, give us a ring. We'll chat. We'd like to chat. With yeah. You. Give us a ring and, and congratulations. Yeah. Biggest congratulations. Cause not only did she look good and was strong, but her skis look great too. They did. And I never thought I'd see the day and I can get all the hate mail I want, but there's a reason for that. No one skis on Peltman on the World Cup. I don't know why. It's a small company. They probably don't have a whole lot of money. It's the skier, not the skis. Yeah, but she, but her skis also look good today uh, and yesterday. So <clears throat> all the power to him. Awesome stuff by Fenrik. Cool this year. Win her first individual World Cup. That was really cool. Also really cool, like you said. Cool, calm, and collected. You know how much I love the way. <clears throat> you know how much I love the way Sophie skis. Yeah, it's awesome. Great, yeah, she's she's yep. she's beautiful skier. Like she is she is the epitome of a beautiful skier patient things are where they should be technically calm low shoulders like you said not wasting energy in her face not a whole lot of like and that's the other thing too like people don't understand in these city sprints that are icy and like kind of like like i said like not nice snow it's hard to look great and shanava and the men or simi in the individual sprint looking great like that like that is hard to do and sophie looked awesome and what a great lunge and what a great like what composure through all her heats like she was leaving it kind of late i thought in some of those heats i'm like oh man this is dice especially in her semi like oh man in her semi when she like snuck around was like dink yeah Uh, yeah exactly i'm like i'm like oh my god like before the pine boughs and stuff i'm like because she is such a beautiful skier and calm and really like 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 a, a really beautiful skier you just you, it's a bit like Osgard back in the days like you just don't know how fast they're actually going because it just looks kind of like I'm not going to say casual but just looks almost like too pretty for 150 meters to go and being in fourth you know it's like oh my god like yeah yeah you gotta move girl let's go and and um and she gets herself into the final and then the final like awesome stuff Fenedic was just the better athlete this whole weekend and all the power to her great racing by her. Um, but, but Sophie just had put together a great race and, and finishes, of course, like anytime you're on the podium in the world cup, awesome stuff. Sophie looked great. Amazing. Just as a slight digression, we'll get to Diggins in a sec, just cause I like to do digressions. Okay. Both Sophie and Simi are pretty chill. Who do you think gets a little more stressed about like, I don't know if the dishes, like say the dishwasher isn't loaded properly. Everything. Simi. Simi, you think Simi's chill, but I don't think Simi's all okay. that chill. I think Sophie's like legit chill. Okay. Like I think I think Sophie Caldwell is like, it's for real. I think Simi's like a bit of like, his vibe is chill, but I'm not sure. Like he's not like high strung like me 
or Alex or something. Like he's not like he's definitely not like that, but like chill, chill. Like I mean, Sophie's just like zenned out. You know what I mean? I don't think. I'm sorry, Simi. Simi's a lot of things, but a lot of good things. He, like totally zen out. I don't know. I think Sophie wins okay. that battle easy. Okay, so sorry to digress there. Just kind of because they're both pretty chill. No, no, but it's a good question. The burning yeah, question. They, they, yeah, for so, sure. So, I mean, if you can climb, if you can climb trad like Simi climbs trad without actually climbing ever because he's a yeah. skier, then you have to be pretty right. damn zen. See? So when I say when I say Sophie's zen, like more zen than than Simi, that may be true, but like anybody that knows Simi and knows how hard he can climb with the fact that he like wears spandex for a living and doesn't get on the rock all that much, then they should, they should witness that because I haven't witnessed it. I've only just heard the the spray, but, but, uh, and not from him though. That's, that's the best, like secondhand, like, yeah, Simmy's never sprayed that to me, but I've just heard it from other people that Simmy is like a, a boss rock climber and like a bold, beautiful trad climber. So like, and so you gotta, you gotta be Zen for that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Jesse, like, let's be honest. Like we've talked about it. Jesse hasn't had, Jesse hasn't had the pre-Christmas period that she wanted. She did. She hasn't. I mean, um, I know it's always part of her plan. I'm never worried about her for the championship. She always shows up. No one, no one delivered. Like Jesse shows up when it's time. But um, for sure, I mean, when when you started reading that big teams, especially in the women, right? Like the Norwegians and the Swedes are just so powerhouse in the women. And when they're not there, like the first name that comes into your mind is for sure. Yeah. Like Sophie in sprinting, of course, and Lampich in sprinting, but like really Jesse's the first name you think about that's going to just start crushing. And, you know, you know, Davos was by all means like a disappointment. And, and then, and then today I thought she, or yesterday, sorry. Then yesterday I thought like I th- the fourth, I said the way she skied, you know, the, the three girls that beat her were just better. I mean, Sophie was just better and Lampich is great. I mean, like we talked about a lot on this podcast, like Lampich was really in the hunt to win that overall sprint globe last year and, and she could have done it, you know, but the couple sprints got canned by the Rona at the end of the season and Diggins, Diggins just cool to see her in fourth and I like the way she was skiing too. She was aggressive. She was really aggressive uh, yesterday in the sprints and um, comes away with fourth place. It's, it's a super solid result and, and, you know, the result is one thing, but it's the way she skied, the way she skied in the heats after like maybe not the best qualifier, even though it's, even though she's 12th, I know. But again, if you chuck in eight other people, she's 20th. And that's not that awesome a qualifier for someone like Diggins on a flat, fast course like that. So, but she skied great in the heats and, and I like the aggression and, and comes away, comes away with uh, a fourth place, which is, which was great. And like, yeah, the three girls were just better. And that's why you, those that watch the race or if you rewatch the race, like those three just had, had, had some distance and that was that, but, but, um, making the finals never, never easy. You look at Neprieva in seventh. I mean, Neprieva, the Russian has, has a ton of experience and, and, you know, she, she's, she didn't make the final. So good stuff by Diggins in the, in the sprint. So it was, it was you know, the individual sprints in Dresden, like, I, I, yeah, I thought they were, they were pretty fun. Like you said, they were fun yeah, to watch. I thought they were fun. So a couple of just, you know, a couple of notes. We don't need to take a deep dive here. Julia Kernan, 12th, obviously great. I think it just gets a little shadowed by, you know, Caldwell, you know, coming in second. Um, but also something I think is notable and something worth celebrating. Hannah Halverson. I was just going to uh, say that. I was just yeah, going to say Yeah, 23rd. That. 
And awesome. I mean, you know the story. Oh, She's yeah. lucky to be alive. Was hit by a car. Exactly. A year ago, November, I believe. No, and, and, and this isn't lip service that you just said, Jason. She is lucky to be alive. We're talking like she was banged up major town. Yeah. Yeah. And to mm-hmm. come back to an elite level of skiing is a feat in itself. It, it's, it shows the tenacity and guts and will that she has and a bit of luck. Let's be honest. Like anytime you're in a big, bad accident, you need some luck on your side. But then, sure. but then not only to come back and have a function, like she's back in the heats 23rd. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a, it's a great restart. And from a very, very serious accident. And those that want to know more about that, there's been some great pieces on faster skier about it. So just go back into the catalog so go, you know, like link that in the show notes because I mean I that was really affected reading those pieces and and this is this is a huge accomplishment because like th- she's been through a lot. She wrote a piece. Yeah. She reached oh, yeah. out to me a couple of months ago. Was like, hey, I've got a piece I want to talk about. You know, my struggle with body image in high school. Totally, she's definitely someone that we should all look up to in in North American skiing because uh, the fight the fight that's there is, is really something special. So that was a uh, big hats off, Hannah. That was, that was great racing. And I, the future's bright and I can't wait to cheer you on along the way. It was really cool. Even if, like, I, I, yeah. And I, even if, again, like I, hopefully I, you know, at this point in her experience, she's not putting a whole lot of her self worth on like how her results are. It's like, I I was like, Oh my gosh, this is icing on the cake. Look at that. A twenty third in a world cup. No, no, she's back to a great level and 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 coming up still, like you said. So, like, go back for those that are really curious. Go back and read the pieces because it's uh, it's a great story. And like Julian twelfth, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, making the semis is always something we should never devalue. I mean, it's great to make the semis, and she. The only tough thing with Julia is she just made some bad decisions out there tactically, got pushed around, wasn't skiing that well technically, and you know that's what you get. You're going to be last in your semi, so that's that's how it goes. Here's something. I mean, I, and this, I'm fine talking about this, but you know, as a staff, we're like, okay, women's race. Who do we cover? You know, I remember going through this last year. Who do we cover? Because it used to be back in the day, someone got a forty a fortieth or a top, you know, a top thirty. It was like, okay. Um, you're, That's newsworthy, yeah. Yeah, you were selling, you were writing about it, and now, obviously, the definition of success has been redefined with this women's group. So I remember last year it was like, okay, and the men too, Sammy and stuff, yeah. But in particular, last year it was like, okay, if they didn't, you know, if it was this particular skier and they got a top ten, yeah. If it's this particular skier, it's got to be a podium. Right? Yeah, and that's just how it is. It's just how it is. And I feel like a little bit with Julia, who has had a pretty decent, you know, a decent year. I just popped up her oh, yeah. results. She's been solid. Oh, yeah, she's been solid. She's been in that sort of zone where I'm like, oh, I've, we've got to write about, you know, we're going to write about Sophie or Jesse or obviously Rosie Brennan. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know how much, like, you can't sing any more praises and <laughs> Rosie's the champ. <laughs> but Julia's had quite a, a stout year. So that said, okay, so Rosie Brennan decided not to take uh, the starts this weekend, and maybe for good reason. Uh, Saxony, which is this, I think it's a state. Is that right? They consider it a state? Yeah, that's, yeah it'd be the equivalent of, yeah. yeah. So Saxony is the state in which Dresden um, 
is located is under, you know, it's like an emergency lockdown. Uh, and so, you know, maybe it's, it wasn't worth it to travel there. I think she may, although that said, she made this decision a while ago that she was not also going to too, be doing this. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, and also too, like Rosie Brennan just coming off like, like, well, she has the yellow bibs, enough said. So like, yeah, and still has it. Because when you're fifth in that mini tour and then win back-to-back races, like, of course, you're still going to have it. And the fact of the matter is, like, when you have those opening races like like she's had, and you know the Norwegians aren't showing up at the Tour de Ski, but the Swedes are. Rosie, is it, I mean, like, podiums most days if she continues this run of form, which she will. I mean, she will, this is her level right now. So why go to a city sprint where, you know, not skiing, your training is not that great. You've already won a sprint. Yeah, you already won a sprint. Like you just won a. Like she, she said it herself. Like, uh, this is insane. Like, what? <laughs> so I've never thought of myself as a sprinter. I've never really felt that comfortable sprinting. And now I just won like a flat, fast skate sprint in Davos. Like this is wacky. Like, you know, keep your eye on the prize, Rosie. Like I said in the last podcast, like top six results at World Championships is something that is attainable for Rosie, which is an incredible story in itself that we're even saying that. And the Tour de Ski is the, the next big goal that's coming up here. And, and Rosie, you know, she has, yeah, in two weeks. And Rosie has, Rosie is a podium threat most days in that Tour de Ski, especially with the Norwegians not there. So this is like, and she has the yellow, I mean, the, good on Rosie for skipping Dresden. Like who needs Dresden, you know? Um, if you're Rosie, I mean, if you, I mean, she won, she, she didn't just win that 10 K skate. Like we talked about, like she just demolished the field. So good honor, St- stay back, do some good training in a nice place with good snow and like skip that whole COVID or not. Like you don't need this city bullshit right now. Like you have bigger, you, you, your goals should be bigger than that. And they are, and it's cool. It's awesome. Okay. So, uh, team sprint before we get to like the the nitty-gritty of the team sprint i'm not really going to get into the big nitty-gritty and a story please (laughs) sorry for the listeners at home but if you have if you're new to this podcast yeah i know i know alex won us the team sprint in 2011 at the world championships but like honestly world cup it's your bread and butter world cup and i yeah and i mean i'm and fourth in the Olympics and, and fourth in the world championships other times. Like I was good at the team sprint. It was probably like my best event, but like, honestly, the team sprint in, in a city, a city team sprint in Dresden with like a bunch of teams missing. I don't know. Like, so I'll, I'll just, like, here's the recap. Well, before we get to the recap, I, I, what, well, cause I, this is sort of a loaded question. I'm just curious, like what is maybe rubbing you the wrong way about the way it's organized? Like why are we even having team sprints like in the world cup in some ways? Like, like I've said it already. Like, I don't think the world championship should have, I don't think a championship should have the team sprint. I think we should ditch the team sprint completely. I like, I was having this conversation actually with um, a person this morning. We we're just talking about the team sprint. And I was like, ugh, I, I couldn't even, you know, they did, I always forget. I just assume, oh yeah, it's three exchanges, right? Yeah, but this was cool. In the city sprint, that part, they did that last year. They did that last year here in Dresden. It's too much for yeah, me. Yeah, it's too much, but you know what? It's actually like, dude, it's so goddamn boring, man. Like, oh, it's already boring. So at least like get an exchange every minute instead of like, especially in the men, watching them go zone one 
for like half the race. Well, here's the problem when you write it though, but when you write the story, you're like, was that the sixth exchange or the ninth exchange, right? It was, it was intense. Just get okay. rid of it. Just get rid of it, honestly. It's just like, so, but like in, that said with a caveat, if they don't get rid of it mm -hmm. at the championships, and I'm not just saying this because I won and like Jesse won and I was like crying when she was the Olympic champ with Keegan and stuff. But like at the championships, it is exciting. Yeah. Like when, when Sunby and Claybo won the Olympics, that shit's exciting. Okay. At the championship, at the championship. So that's what makes it exciting. Because it's a championship and it matters. Is it the stakes? No, it's the stakes. It's the stakes. That's what it is. Exactly. It's the stakes. Okay. Like this stuff is crazy at a championship because like, it's hard to make these teams yet. Yeah. And it's hard to make these teams. Like, honestly, when the U.S. picked Keegan to go with Jesse, I had a moment where I'm like, man, not Sadie? Really? Do you know what I mean? Because the stakes are high. And like when you're a powerhouse team like the U.S., like Norway, it's always like, who are they going to pick? They pick Sunby to go with Claybo. You're like, whoa, really? You're going to pick Sunby to go with Claybo? Is this going to work? Is this going to work? And then it works. And then same thing. Like I, I did say that. I'm like, wow, I, I would have thought they would have picked Sadie instead of Keegan. And then Keegan skied like an absolute phenom in that she was she was so good in that team sprint. And like that's what makes it exciting in the championships because of the stakes. Say, when we won, like, and there's still people say that. It's like, well, I don't know if you would have won if, if Petter w went last. It's like, me neither. I don't know if we would have won if Petter anchored, but he didn't. And Hadassad went last. And Alex torched him. So, no, I didn't torch him. But, he, but Speaking of which, I think Petter's in deep shit. But yeah, he is. He is. We're actually, he's going to get his jail. Like, he's, yeah, he's, gonna, he's in court tomorrow morning for those that are listening Monday in Norway. But I'm just saying, like, championship team sprints, the stakes make it exciting. Who's going to race? Who's going to be the Swedish women's team for the team sprint? Who's going to be the American women's team for the team sprint? This is what makes it fun. Like, now we're in the same situation. Like, Sophie's great. Rosie's great. Diggins is great. Like, who's going to be the women's team sprint team at the World Champs in, in Oberstdorf? Like, this is awesome. This is fun. So, but in the World Cup, in a World Cup in Dresden with, like, a bunch of teams missing and, like, changing the format to exchange every lap and it's a tight course, like, it's a snooze fest. I'm sorry. Like, there is some stuff and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recap it in, like, 30 seconds each gender because, like, really, that's the only thing that's exciting. Perfect. That's all I got. Yeah, Women, go for it. Again, Fenrik, amazing stuff. Such a beast to come back with a big, like fairly sizable gap, you know, and 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 yep. win. It was just like an incredible last lap. In Russia, I give the Russian women a ton of credit. Stupak, Stupak and, and Nepreva. Um, Nepreva, they, they, they were bold, man. They wanted it. They raced to win. And they just didn't have like Fenwick was just not to be stopped this weekend. So so yeah, like you know the last couple laps were kind of fun to watch. But aside from that, like aside from that, forgettable. I mean, the, the, okay, and the, the Chinese, Americans coming forth, the, the Americans. Oh yeah, but I mean you knew that the yeah, Chinese but I are loved out there it. like drilling I, it. I'm psyched for the Chinese. They're out there drilling it in the front, and I'm just like say good night. Like, I mean, <laughs> but it's exciting. And nothing against them because they ski, but they ski well, right? Like they have yeah. come a long way. Their technique is good. They're actually yep. pretty talented. Um, they've been trained well and stuff, but like tactically, like, I mean, really, but anyway, uh, and 
for the men's side of things, like Bolshinov and and yeah. Webb, like yep. great racing. The yes. French were great. I was disappointed in how Me the too. Americans did for the mm-hmm. men's side of things. But again, like I don't really care because at Worlds, then then that's something else. And space is limited too, and that's the other thing. Like space is just limited, man. And yeah, and, and honestly, like ninth, sixth, like what does it matter? You know, in a World Cup team sprint, like it doesn't matter. Like it's good they made the final, and yeah, they ran out of steam, or they just didn't have they didn't have their tactics dialed in, or they just had an off day. It doesn't really matter. They had great days the day before, and that's that's more important <laughs> to me. <laughs> because the other thing too, here's the other thing. One yeah. last thing with the team sprint in Dresden is like we can't even use it as any sort of marker towards a team sprint in a championship. Because like a team sprint in a championship is like a, so that's a, it's a, a tough course, hills, gnarly corners, long stadiums. Like a, a team sprint in Dresden is just a sideshow. It's just a sideshow. Like get rid of it. Okay, so this is a question then. So like I was intrigued. I, I really loved how the Russians animated both races. You know, without the Russians there, I felt like it would have been a little more of a conservative. Oh, a yeah. fest. Oh, it would be the worst. It would have been the worst. So I really enjoyed that. But what, I'm curious what that shows. What does that show about Neprieva's fitness, the way she's able to pull away? But again, it's a, it's a relatively flat course. And the same with, say, Bolshinov and oh, Gleb. Yeah. Like, what, what am I seeing out there? Uh, and, but the other thing, too, with that, it's like, what are you seeing when, you have, when you're missing the strongest teams? Like, who... Do you know what? Especially, yeah, especially that's, that's in the true, team sprint, like, it's like, yeah, I do know. I don't know. Like, if you didn't think, if you didn't know that Bolshinov's a beast, then you haven't been watching skiing for the last couple of years. And then Nepreva, I mean, she just did a longer drag, and she was just stronger. You know what I mean? She was stronger than a lot of those women in some of those rounds, and that's where you can get those distance. But at the end of the day, Fenderick was the strongest, and and okay. that that you know game set match uh switzerland and that's fun that switzerland won the world cup of course it's fun that fenetic gets back-to-back wins and and stuff but like i don't know i just yeah world cup team sprints man i don't know not not, not for me okay we're gonna take one do you have a computer in front of you i sure do okay go go to this website faster skier if you could yeah i've heard of it okay cool go to the women's sprint story okay and then click on the image because the way our new website works, like if you click on any image, I think you'll scroll through and get uh, kind of like a slideshow. Yeah, we're going to do a little for, for forensic work here. I want you to go to the uh, image of the. Are we individual? Is this the individual or the team? Sprint? No, no, team team sprint. The Swiss woman side by side because we're going to get a good visual of the Razi next to the Peltonen. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally different. Totally different. Do you see the tip? The tip of the Pelton yeah. almost looks glued on. It's a little wider. Sorry, Pelton. Yeah, it's way wider. It's way wider. Okay. Yeah. No, no. Those are real. Those are legit Pelties. You think so right there? You think... I'm just... Again, forensics work. No, no. You know what? You know what? You know what? For that, for that, that didn't give me... Like, that didn't give me... It's the bases. Yeah, I haven't... Okay. I saw the bases. I saw the bases, and they were kind of like orangey, cleary. Like, it's this, it's a color that no other ski uses. And so I think those are legit. Those are like I'm gonna DM her on Instagram and ask. Yeah, th- th- those. I mean, those are legit pelties, and like I'm telling you, man, they were they were a great ski. Like like I want to say 17. Let me see, 20 years ago, that was like I a, kind of a ski you. to have. I, dis- I really? disagree with anyone that thought Peltons were ever great skis. 
So well, dude, you, you, were, you were skiing on like the best of the best always. I'll, I'll, I'll take I'll take the heat all all day long, but like I'm sorry. But you could find those in the U.S. and people were skiing. Yeah, I know, dude. Pelton and Supras they used to be called. I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, but like I don't know. People raced on Karu too. I mean, Jesus. That's true. That's true. But, but, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the Peltman rep in the U.S. and Canada is just like, I hate Devin right now so much. But now, now they can, now they can print all those posters. World Cup winners, Peltman. But okay, if you, I, what's his name? I don't even want to mention his name. Number forty-five. Is that that the one we're on? Number forty-five. Oh yeah, yeah. Biden. Yeah. President. The president. Oh God, Trump. Oh Trump. Yeah. Okay. So we want to say apolitical, but I'm going to say this. They say, I'm going to, you're going to love this. I'm going to circle it right back to Pelton. And any type of press is good, is press, right? Any attention is good. Isn't that what he sort of, isn't that his gig? I don't know. That's true. I mean, who would have thought, who would have thought I was going to mention the word Pelton as much as I did in this, in this one hour podcast of drivel. Yeah, that's true. That's right. So they're like, oh my gosh, Pelton was mentioned 50 times. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I promise you this, like... I'm sure David Axelrod, there's some sort of political methodology where, you know, it's a strategy. Totally. We should get this statistical skier on the Pelton and the Pelton stats. Oh, he's been... I just... All his stuff, it's awesome. It's I looked at it right before, maybe like 15 minutes before I got on here and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to have another coffee, which I didn't want to have because I actually want to sleep today. Yeah, and he called me out. He called me out. And you know what? The 2015-16 season for the Swedish men. Yeah, he did call you out a little bit, but that's... No, it goes down in the worst worst season in history, except where I'm going to take a little bit of a win. It's like, except with like the top results, right? Sure. Because even that season, at the top end of things, this last year was just so vicious. But you know what? I love it. I love following it. Anyone that really wants to geek out hard, they should. Because it's like, it's really entertaining. And it's fun. And not only fun, like, the numbers don't lie. So give it a follow. We've said it again. We, we're going to get it back on. We're getting it back on. It was awesome. It was a great conversation. Uh, what's his? Joran. Yeah. Joran is his name. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. Well, I feel like we're good. That's that. Well, that is that. One thing, though, I do want to ask because I texted you and I did not get a response. Oh, actually, we have two other things. I do have another thing. You asked thing. me about like, Thai food and then spice. Here's what I'll say. Yeah, because he, here's the reason why. we. I, I, I'm like, if anybody ever comes to Bend and they're looking for really good, so food, good food, there's, there's a pretty decent okay. Thai food in town. And it's this Northern Thai place. I'm going to, I forget the name because it's been like eight months since I've walked in yeah, there. Yeah, it's Corona. No one's eating out. Yeah. If anybody's ever in Bend and they want truly killer Thai food and atypical Thai food, it's called Wild Rose and it's Northern Thai food. So good. It's right downtown. So got to support the downtown businesses. I agree. This podcast is not sponsored by Wild Rose, but I assure you. So, if you get like a four or five star meal there, okay, it's pretty legit. And I get like a four or five there, and then they bring this little tray of different um, chilies that you can add. So I like probably nuke it up to about a six, probably. Okay. Today, I was I went on a run with my older kid, and I just I got up really early, and just my blood sugar was funky, and I started bonking on the run. So I was like, "Dude, I need Thai food on the way home." So we did some takeout Thai food, and I got it. 
I got a four. And he's like, you know, this place is known for its spice. I was like, whatever. So I got a four. It was freaking hot. And I was like, almost like I had showered. I was sweating so much. Okay. Okay. So I was thinking like, What's the deal with Thai food in Norway? When we lived in Oslo, there was a Thai, there's a Thai place, Thai restaurant called Pla, Pla, P L A H. Thought it was great. Thought it was really good. Like I thought, like I thought they did like they did good Thai food there. But that was kind of like that was the Thai place I ate at in Oslo when we lived there. And now I live in Lillehammer, like Thai food, like forget really? it. But what I will say, well, yeah, well maybe there is a Thai restaurant. I have no idea. I've never actually. That's not true. I ate at a Thai restaurant in Lillehammer a couple of years ago. I think it went bankrupt. And it wasn't that good. So like, and it wasn't spicy or it wasn't any, like, no, it was, it was not that good. Yeah. So what is the palate? The palate, this is the, here, cause this yeah. is funny. This is funny you bring this up. Cause I always thought like Scandinavians just can't handle spice like at, at all. And, and then so like, like I'm with Kristen and I'm like, well, she obviously can't handle spice. She's from Northern Norway. Like, forget it. Like Kristen, like if Kristen makes the curry, like, I'm dusted. I'm done and dusted. I can't even eat it. It's like so spicy. And I, I'm like, I feel myself, I feel like for myself, I'm like really a solid, like middle of the road spice guy. Like I'm not, I'm not a spice sucky boy, but I'm also not a spice like beast. Do you know? I, I feel like I'm just like very average. Like I can handle like okay. fairly yeah, spicy okay. food, but I don't want to like be, I don't like crazy spicy food. You're like a two at Wild Rose. Yeah, exactly. And I'll take that. I'll take that fine. But I don't want to bland. I don't want no spice if I'm eating Indian or or Thai or something. But Kristen just like, no spice is spicy enough for Kristen. Nothing like I've never seen her like at all. Like no change. She's Zen. She's the spice Zen. So that was a big, that was a, yes, that was was a big thing I learned. Um, Can you guys get like sriracha there? Oh, yeah. She crushes sriracha. There's actually like a there's a there's a hot sauce in Norway called Midsummer, and like, dude, I can't even take like three drops of this on anything. I'm just like I'm wrecked. And Kristen's just like dumping like this <laughs> this like this hot sauce like all over everything she eats. I'm like, you you are a crazy person. And like I and I never would have thought that a Nor- Norwegian from like 71 degrees north or whatever, not 71, but like. 70.5 degrees north that's where she grew up like you could just demo spicy food like this but she can but the but the person i've met in my whole life i'm gonna give a shout out to eric denies who was a national team coach for many many years never met anyone that could eat more spicy food than eric denies yeah and he lives he's the he's the program director at sovereign lakes nordic so like silver star if you've ever been up there like some of the best cross country skiing on earth like you know what i'd like to see eric denies versus my wife in like a spicy food off because like i mean I think Eric would take her. I, I think Eric would take her. I mean, I hope maybe she can email us in and stuff. But like, yeah, Eric denies, man. No one crushes spicy food like that guy. Okay. So I'm glad I asked. I was just kind of curious. Okay. So here's here's a question coming from Ethan Kennedy. A question for the Devin Kershaw show. Subject. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Here here's Here's the question. Can you guys explain why the biathlon teams from Norway, Sweden, and Finland are still competing on the IBU World Cup, even though their cross-country counterpart teams aren't. You got, and this is where, so he's asking the question, then we get buttered up a little bit. You guys have done a good job of explaining why the cross-country teams aren't competing due to COVID and their government's COVID protocols. But I'm curious about biathlon. I realize that the IBU and FIS are different governing bodies, 
does IBU have a better COVID, better COVID safety measures than FIS? So team Norway, Sweden, and Finland are more comfortable to travel and race. Yeah, and the short answer is yeah, they do. <laughs> but you uh, think I, yeah, you but, think the IBU does? Okay. No, I know, no, but no. You know what? Maybe the safety protocols themselves. They are what they are. I mean, the races, the, the risks of the racing venues, the risks of the racing venues. So I, I'm not going to actually weigh in on that that much. But what I will say is they took this seriously and they adjusted their calendar in a huge way. You're talking the about the IBU. But yeah, the IBU before the season started. And they like they cut a lot of stops and said like tough, tough deal. Like we, we have to we have to reduce the amount of stops and we have to reduce our travel. And this is how we're going to do it. And the teams really bought in with that. And the IBU really got, yeah, they really got buy-in from the teams around the world, especially those big teams, like you mentioned, Sweden and Norway are huge teams in Bathlon. They're the best teams in the world uh, in Bathlon as well. And, you know, that goes a long way and they were involved in that. Whereas like FIS, just like I said, they just like looked at the calendar like, "Eh, I don't know. Well, we can't go to Thailand this year and drink free booze at our like whatever FIS Congress. Ugh, well, you know what? Like, I don't even want to take this kind of Zoom call. Like, if I can't go to Thailand or the Bahamas or whatever, then what's the point? Like, let's just keep it the same. So, so that's one thing. But the other thing too, the other thing too, because there was some blowback. There was with the Bathlon team, um, especially here in Norway, because you know, like, it's the same. Like, the Norway, the skiers are still talking about their health and lungs and and um, cardiac issue, uh, like heart, like long term effects of COVID, basically. Uh, the uncertainty and and of course like there's like the bathlon teams like whoa like now we're being like our team's not taking care of our athletes and the athletes were saying like i feel pretty safe and you know they but they did take serious steps like the norwegian team is traveling with like cooks and stuff like it's not they're not eating from a buffet or and they're eating in their rooms by themselves everyone has their own room no one's sharing rooms and like it's it's a lonely lonely existence for these big teams and you know so so maybe they're just able to deal with the protocols a little better when they know that they're in one venue for you know two and a half weeks instead of like in cross country where you're moving every single week so that's a big that's a big difference um but they but like but like like was mentioned just now it's like this is a totally different organization and also like biathlon norway Norwegian Bathon has nothing to do with the Norwegian Ski Federation. Like it's its own federation completely. Same with the Swedish Bathon Federation. It's not. It's not. It's not like the Swedish Cross Country Federation is an um, and and in and in cross country is under like Ski Sweden or Ski Norway. So it's like Alpine jumping, Nordic combined, blah blah blah. There's Nordic combined in in uh, Sweden, but um, but but Bathon is a standalone organization and they can make whatever calls uh, they see fit within their organizations so yeah it's been interesting though it's a good it's a great question because it is it is interesting it is a good question one quick follow-up on that and and i know we've we've talked extensively about it and i think you and i are both on the record like i personally am not going to question anyone's you know decision to race or not race um in particular, not to race. I'm not questioning that because it's like, you know what? It's their their health, their livelihood, whatever. I don't know what the opportunity, opportunity costs are for that individual. But that said, I'm curious if you take an elite athlete. I always mispronounce their names. The two brothers, Norwegian brothers. Bo brothers? Yeah, Bo. Yeah. Okay. So the Bo brothers, is there a cost for them beyond like, 
winning on the IBU circuit for not competing, you know, and then coming home. And obviously I'm imagining, you know, you get a domestic cross country race in Norway. It's still pretty loaded with world cup talent. Oh yeah. You can't compare. Yeah. That's that, but you're exactly right. You're, that's a great question. I mean, I'm sorry. Like the depth, even though, even though, I mean, I am, I love Bathon and I follow it like religiously. Like I think it's so exciting. It's awesome. Clear Egan killing it, by the way. Anyway, yeah, like it's it's awesome to follow because it's like things change in Bathon. So there's like so much variety. It's cool. I mean, I think their technique, by and large, is something to be improved. Most of them, but uh, but it's an exciting product. But that said, that said, the depth as good as the Norwegians, like them people that follow Bathon, listen to this, like know how like. You have these guys that are coming out out of like the woodwork and seemingly out of nowhere from Norway. They're just beasting right now before Christmas. It's awesome to watch if if you like Bathon, you like seeing new names. But the fact of the matter is, like the depth in Norwegian cross country skiing is so deep. The depth in Norwegian Bathon is like forget it. Like, dude, no. So 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 there is a cost for them. Oh yeah, there would be a cost because they don't get the same level of okay. competition that cross country does. Uh, they they're just not that depth. In exposure. Not, yeah, in exposure, but also just like in competition too. Like they're being pushed. Like, I mean, the Bow Brothers get pushed hard by the French team, which is like a serious powerhouse in Bathon. The Swedish team too, before Christmas, even on the men's side, has been really solid. Um, you know, they get pushed on the World Cup, but like if they come back, like, you know, the guys that are on the national team are just going to, like, they're not going to be even nervous for like a, for a Norwegian Cup Bathon race, if everyone was there, I mean, like they would just crush the next, the, the next best, like the guys that are just off the national team. Whereas in cross country skiing, I mean, you look like I talked about Mikael Gunnarsson, like a friend of mine, but he won in Bidestol and he's not on the national team. Like guys got to be on their toes in cross country because the depth in the depth in cross country skiing is it's deep, man. There's a lot of good athletes that are not on the national team that are on like club teams or or the next best, like the. They're called like Team Elon or whatever, like the regional teams kind of thing. But in Bathlon, like the top guys are the top guys. And then you have some young guns that are really good, but they're really young, right? They're maybe like in the age range from 19 or like 18 to 21, let's say. But you don't have like a plethora of like 40 guys that are 24 to 30 that aren't on the national team that are like full-time skiers and given her and they're freaking good and, you know, could could beat Teddy Abo once in a while or could beat these guys like no chance the 40th best bath on bath or the 40th best cross-country skier can't beat uh Seaman Kruger either but but I'm just saying like the depth yeah the depth's not there so there is an opportunity cost there okay yeah okay I wasn't even thinking about that but you're right if you want to prime for world champs or something and you're those guys you need to be on the IBU world cup rather than coming home yeah you need to be pushed right yeah for sure and, and but they have done a good job and everything I've heard is has been okay i mean like the the ibu hasn't done the best job for the smaller teams that don't have the money and the organization just like bring their own cooks and their own food around like it sounds like it's been it sounds like it's been a little bit sketchy with the like the food situation on the ibu uh world cup for for some of the smaller teams but but uh which i was actually very surprised because i always thought that the ibu was doing a good job with this covid stuff but um and we we should give the shout out i'm not going to give a shout out but i mean like because like just because you have no positives doesn't mean you made the right decision. But like you're fist? fist, you know what yeah. I mean. But there hasn't, right. yeah. But there hasn't been there hasn't been positives and stuff. But that doesn't mean that you you organized your circuit well in a pandemic because you didn't because you're missing a bunch of teams that don't think you did. 
It's like the, the proof's in the pudding, man. Like, you know, if it was so well, you'd have people there. So um, there's that. But uh, especially with like, the whole tour to ski thing, like when, when there was discussions to like, well, there was this guy, you know, we talked about this. Like there, there's, there's been meetings and stuff like maybe we should reduce the venues and, and cut down on the travel. And Fist is like, yeah, how about no? It's like, okay. I thought for sure. Yeah, we've talked about I, I Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, of course they're doing that. Yep. That just makes sense because that just makes sense. And Fist is like, how about no? It's like, well, how about Norway doesn't show up again? How about that? Okay. But still, we had some great racing now. Okay, well, have a good good week. Yeah, happy holidays, everybody. If you don't hear from if you don't hear from the feed, you probably will. Not actually before Christmas, you won't, because that's like four days away. So happy holidays, everybody, and we'll catch you later. We appreciate you taking the time to listen. We hope, at a minimum, twenty twenty one brings a much better year. And please be safe. 